host, Josh. I'm Jamie. And welcome to a special episode of A Conversation with Two Geeks, a podcast where we talk about movies, comics, everything in between. Today we have on a special guest, Chris Christy Strauss. Say hi, Christy. Hi, Christy. Sorry. <laughs> uh, my five-year-old self just had a blast there. Sorry. <laughs> She's the editor-in-chief of Film Inquiry, as the three of us talk about two of the most seminal sci-fi films of all time, 1982's Blade Runner and 2017's Blade Runner 2049. I met her at the Terrell Corporation, you know, the big boys in genetic engineering. They manufacture humans. Hell, they're so human you can't tell them from the real thing, and that's a problem. A big problem. If I didn't care Say, kiss me. More than words can say. <laughs> if I didn't care. That's not my kind of place. civilization was built off the back of a disposable workforce but I can only make so many happy birthday there is an order to things that's what we do here we keep order is built on a wall that separates kind. Tell either side there's no wall. You bought a war. You're a cop. I did your job once. I was good at it. you some questions. Okay, to the future. It's finally unearthed. Bring it to me. They know you're here. I told you, you're special. 
Her story isn't over yet. There's still a page left. But before we do that, uh, Jing, would you like to do our socials? Yeah, so please feel free to follow us on, on our social media pages. We're on Twitter at Convo with Two Geeks, that's with the number two. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks, that is spelled all the way out. And also, if you feel like sending us an email about this episode or anything we said in our previous episodes, we are at Conversation with Two Geeks at gmail.com. And we will have a link to these in the show notes below. So, how are y'all doing today? I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys? Good, good, good. Doing good. <laughs> I, I, I'm cracking up because I did not mean, because I'm, okay, for context, I am not from the South, so I don't know why I was doing a whole Southern accent, but I guess <laughs> these, these, things, these things happen, but yes. Anyway, so going on to the plot synopsis for Blade Runner. For 1982's Blade Runner, based off the book uh, Do Grant Android Stream of Electric Seat by Philip K. Dick, a Blade Runner played by Harrison Ford must pursue and terminate four replicants who stole a ship in space and have returned to Earth to find their creator. So, this movie. Um, where do we start? Um, I My first experience with this film, I, I, I've been trying to think about it lately, and like I think my first time, or at least watching the movie all the way through, was I think at my gra- was I think at my grandmother's house. I remember getting finding it at the library and like getting it and then just watching it all the way through and just um from beginning from beginning to end because up until that point I think I had only heard about it. This was like a movie that just I know it inspired other films. Other films we'll talk about in a second, but just it inspired a lot of stuff and just was kind of like this like apparition of cinema and stuff. So yeah, um, Christy, what was your first? You're you're a bit old. You're, well, you're a bit older than at least me. Yeah. What was your first introduction to this movie? As the uh, the old person on this recording, um, yeah, I saw this when I was young, uh, younger, and um, I don't remember the exact age. And I remember it the first time I saw it, I actually didn't love it, but I was also young, and I feel like maybe some of the uh, more philosophical elements just kind of blew by me. I thought it was really cool. Uh, really cool visually and everything, but it was as I got older that I actually appreciated the film for you know how amazing it is. But um, I, I know I was young. I don't know. I watched a lot of movies when I was a little kid that I probably <laughs> confused the hell out of me. But that's fair. That's fair. And so Jamie, as the new person, as the <laughs> person that's coming into this, what did you think about Blade Runner? <laughs> and do you think you're a replicant? Yes. 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 Those are the ultimate two questions. <laughs> Well, so context, I watched uh, the first one last night and the second one this morning. Um, and because I try to watch them closer to when we record so I can try to remember stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely agree that it was very cool visually. I really liked that aspect, especially for a movie back in the 80s. It looked really good, mm-hmm. um, honestly. Um, but it's it, like a lot of it like I don't know if it's because I watched it too late or something but a lot of it kind of like went over my head a little bit and it it like took me a while to kind of like realize what was kind of going on um and stuff and like how deep the movie actually is um but it was still really cool visually to see it and I um 
and it's just like and I didn't realize how sci-fi it was like um I knew it was a sci-fi movie but like I didn't realize like how much it was going to be sci-fi honestly I so. mean yeah I I, I I get that but it I don't know, it's interesting because this is like the second sci-fi movie in a row honestly that Ridley the yeah. director Ridley Scott especially for the first one did like he does movie like right after Alien and just okay. The production design alone, like the movie's fucking beautiful. It is. No, yeah. it's it's really cool. It's like the visuals of it and the sets and everything and whatever what they were able to do was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like I really liked that, and that's kind of what kept me into it. It's just being like it felt like a whole different world, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting watching this because it took place in 2019, so it's weird coming it watching it after the fact. Yeah, <laughs> a little weird. <laughs> But it was kind of cool. Um, but like, I mean, that was something that was going through my head. I'm like, this is a little strange, but okay. I mean, <laughs> I'm still waiting for flying cars, y'all. Like, I know. Just where, where, where's the where's the flying cars, people? I I I want I want my flying cars. I know. I I feel like movies disappointed us for their uh, their take on the future. I mean, yeah. it's not a bad thing that we don't have to hunt down replicants, but flying cars would be pretty cool. Yeah, and just also just yeah, no, it's just flying cars would have been cool, and just the noir heavy cinematography, which was done by Jim Cronenworth, who son, um, I think it's his son, another Cronenworth whose name I'm kind of blanking on, would later go and do David Fincher movies. Okay. Which is interesting, and like this mixture of like urban noir would just give way to like the cyberpunk genre, and would give way to films such as I mentioned this before, and I mentioned this before, but this influenced the freaking Matrix. And Ghost in the Shell. Like, yeah, I could see that for sure. Just yeah, I think this was you know this movie is immensely important to film for a lot of reasons, but I think it had a lot of influences, uh, still influences things. Yeah, yeah, no, and I yeah, no, it just it, I mean, it had I mean, there's a reason why we have the whole question: Is Deckard a replicant? For until like the release of the second movie, which we'll get into in a second, but. There's a reason why there was a question pose. And also, can we just talk about Rutter, Rutter uh, Howard for a second? He's as Rory Batty. Like, he's probably my favorite performance in the movie. Yeah. And just... Absolutely. The, he makes me want to cry when he, pass, when he dies. Yeah. Yeah. And after his speech and what he says, it's like kind of a gut punch. He's, he's really good. And, mm-hmm. and fun fact, he actually rewrote that line before shooting the scene. It was originally supposed to be a lot longer, but he just simplified it and just, yeah. In fact, most of the cast is great. Like, Johanna's great, Sean Young's great, Edward James Olsen, and many free, many others, including, and I didn't notice, but um, James Hong of Big Trouble in Little China fame is in this movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, I didn't, I honestly didn't know that. <sighs> that said, I got two, I got two, I got two beats with this movie. First off, it's the slow pace. This movie, and maybe it's just because of the way we see modern movies, and I'll kind of get to in, in a second with 2049, but this movie runs at a snail's pace, and like, like, and maybe this is also because I was watching this at night, but I almost wanted to fall asleep at times. Yeah, it, the pacing is very slow. Like, I was not expecting that, because, um, uh, like, like I kind of had a similar problem. I, I watched it probably way too late when I should have not have been watching it that late, and I had mm-hmm. to um, keep myself awake watching it when it like get to the really silver parts and because um, I didn't expect that I thought it was gonna be have 
more action in it a little bit more like i kind of anticipated that for some reason mm-hmm. um but yeah I, I i i agree that was something that i was that i um with modern movies that i, I wasn't expecting yeah so. yeah it's definitely slower paced i mean it, it builds and it definitely speeds up in the final like mm-hmm. you know third of the film which is part of partially like maybe my favorite part of the film because i just love the rucker hauer and um that whole uh, portion of the film but yeah it's definitely slow it doesn't really bother me too much like I didn't fall asleep (laughs) or it was tempted to fall asleep but um it's definitely something that I think some viewers it would it would lose people but that's also with sci-fi films too it's kind of common that if it's not really action oriented that it can potentially be sleep inducing I guess in pace yeah and also I'm I'm gonna be fully honest I I I I kind of more Maybe it's because I also like Roger Howard as an actor, but I'm I I don't really think at least for this movie we'll talk about twenty forty nine in a second. I don't find Decker that engaging as a protagonist. Mm. I uh, I kind of agree with that to a point. Um, yeah, because like I feel like we I don't know I kind of agree with that, and I kind of don't. I mean, he was kind of like. I was trying to focus because it was Harrison Ford, so like uh-huh. that's what was like trying to run through my head, um, a little bit. But like, I can see why you wouldn't think he's super compelling, and I I do agree to that to an extent because like we don't, we get to know him, but we it's also like, I don't know, we kind of, like we don't get to know him like super super well, I guess maybe. Yeah, his character arc is kind of subtle. I mean, it's not he's not the most compelling. I think that there could have been more opportunities to get to know the character. Um, mm-hmm. I actually think Harrison Ford is, is almost in, in some ways better in the sequel um, performance. Which, which, we'll, which we'll get to in a second. <laughs> right. But I'm just saying like, when you yeah. think about the two, I oh, think yeah. he has more. Oh, in that. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. No, no, there are, there's um, bits, there are scenes which we will get to that are really great in the sequel that, I really do like, but yeah. Um, but moving on, and actually, this kind of actually segues way into a much more interesting thing, um, into the production history of this movie because this movie's like, I don't know if you guys knew this or not, but Scorsese was one of the first people interested in making this movie, Martin Scorsese. Hmm. It would have been interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting. I'd like to see what that would look like. I I imagine it probably has Rob, um, Robert De Niro or Al Pacino, who fun fact was actually one of the people considered for the movie. Um, so context, um, Ridley and his co- company were actually trying to get Dustin Hoffman for the role, but to no avail. And this was the list of actors. Uh, Gene Hackman, Sean Connery, Jack Nicholson, Paul Newman, Clint Eastwood, Tommy Lee Jones, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Jesus, Peter Falk, Nick Nolte, Al, Al, Al Pacino, and Burt Reynolds were all considered for Decker before Harrison Ford got it. So pretty much every popular actor of that time. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad Harrison did. Yeah. Um, I think he's perfect in the role. Even if, you know, I mean, I think just the, the character is not, you know, he doesn't speak a lot. He doesn't, like, ha- like give us a lot of background. I just, I think he's mysterious. And so mm-hmm. I think um, he's he's really good in, in that role. Yeah. But to get into some of the production history, um, so pretty much the way that the this whole thing went down is that um, 77, Jesus. Um, screenwriter Hampton Fetcher would be the one to option into a screenplay, which gained the, the interest of a producer, Michael Dealey, 
and then Dealey would try to get Ridley Scott to direct. Um, Hampton's uh, Fancher's draft, this movie will see several drafts, was got initially turning it down because of the long pre-production on Dune. Yes, folks. At one point, Ridley Scott was going to be directing an adaptation of Dune, which I, just, I know um, this has a very interesting connection considering who directs who the director who is directing later in Twenty Friday and who is also doing Dune, which is coming out later this year. Yeah, that's funny. Mm. <laughs> they obviously yeah. have a similar um, interest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like, and before Andy, um, he agreed to do it. He agreed to do it, and actually was able to get the budget up. But he wanted also a cha- changes to the script, which had a, which had more of a fo- to have more of a focus on humanity and religion, which. Let's be frank here. Uh, Scott has always been about that, and it's a really interesting thing, especially when you watch certain films like Prometheus and his whole obsession with like humanity and religion, which is the whole thing. Um, which this uh, this forest venture to leave, this forest venture to leave, to leave, and was replaced with David Webb Peoples, who would later write, and this is actually in continuity, uh, the nineteen eight uh, film Soldier with Kurt Russell. Um, though Vancher with assist with Larry Freewrights, uh, we, um, ultimately, and one of the reasons why Scott settled on Ford, who at the time was actually looking for more dramatic material following success with Star Wars and Raiders, mm-hmm. and for Rory Batty, Rutger Howard was chosen, uh, because of his performance in 1971's Turkish Delight, one of many Paul Verhoeven's earlier, early films pre-Robocop, which is, which might be a film we might be doing later, folks. It might be. Just keep that you in should. mind. You should. You should. Robocop's awesome. I, it, it might be sidebar. It might be on our list. <laughs> this um this was also Rutger Howard's favorite movie to make. So, and to create some of the concept uh, vehicles and setting, Scott brought on Sid Mead, who would later do concept artwork for Tron, Alien, and later Blade Runner twenty forty nine. With Scott creating the painting Nighthawks and the French uh, comic Heavy Metal. So, before filming started, um the original production company Filmways. Pulled out of financing with um, Dealey had secured $25.5 million financing through a freeway deal with the Lad Company, through Warner Brothers, the Hong Kong-based produce uh, Sir Run Run Shaw, and Tandem Productions. However, now you have Warner Brothers mixed it. You can imagine how that kind of turned out, especially with Scott being perfectionist and running over time and running over budget, which would actually get him and Dealey fired, but then rehired. Not to mention... Um, after negative reviews from audience during a test screenings, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, the studio demanded changes, several changes, including a voiceover for which Harrison Form famously phoned in as well as a happy ending, which you played from The Shining of all places. <laughs> like, like the cut, uh, just, uh, yeah, it also led Scott and Ford to be very antagonistic towards each other until the end, until the release of the final cut, which is the cut that we actually watched. Which was the 2007 final cut. So why didn't do a box office? Well, which is the box office? Which, despite making 6.1 million at the box office, is competition. Let's run run this um, list down, y'all. Um, it had competition from the thing, which was kind of in a similar situation. Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, Conan Barbarian, and ET all hindered its box office, making only 41.5 million on a 30 million dollar budget. And and it its release date, June 25th, 1982, was only chosen because Alan Jr., who was ahead of 20th Century Fox and who produced the original Star Wars, said that May and June was his lucky days. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And to address the multiple cuts, because 
Okay, this has kind of been squ- uh, squashed since the final cut release in 2007, but for those that don't, don't know, there used to be multiple cuts of this movie. Oh, okay. So, the first work print of the original cut, gave, uh, the audience gave negative reviews on during a test screening in Denver, Colorado, and Dallas, Texas, and this was before the studio demanded changes, so you can thank those. And I'm not trying to shit on our view, or our potential viewers in Colorado or Texas. Full disclaimer on that. <laughs> but, um... This is probably why we didn't get the original cut. And then there was a preview version in San Diego, and then after this, there was a U.S. theatrical version with the voiceover, the international cut, which had a bit more violence, the director's cut, which wasn't really a director's cut due to the fact that Ridley pretty much said okay on it and wasn't really involved with what we were doing, released in 92, and then the final cut, which Ridley did do work on and release in 2007. Oh, and what did Phil K. Dick think about this movie? Well, at first, Kevin was pissed that no one informed him about the production and criticized an early draft of Fancher's draft. Then the studio sent Dick the um the written script from Peoples, for which he said, after fin- after I finished reading the screenplay, I got the novel out and looked through it. The two reinforced each other so that someone who started with the novel would enjoy the movie and someone who started with the movie would enjoy the novel. But sadly, um, Philip K. Dick died before the film's release with the film dedicating it uh with the film dedicated to him. So at least got to see what they were working on before he passed. And now, let's talk about Blade Runner 2049. So, uh, plot synopsis, 30 years after the events of Blade Runner, a new Blade Runner, LAPD Officer K, played by Ryan Gosling, uh, unearths a long-buried secret that has the potential to plunge what's left of society into chaos. K's discovery leads him on a quest to find Rick Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, a former LAPD Blade Runner who's been missing for 30 years. So, this movie, um, I saw this movie in theaters, in IMAX, and I love this movie. This was my favorite movie of 2017. And I also kind of think that this is one of the best sequels ever. Am I wrong in thinking that? No, not at all. <laughs> I thought it was a really good sequel. And I literally just saw the first one. But it, it felt like they did a good job in, like, uh, making it a new kind of, like, mm-hmm. kind of continuing it on. I thought it was really well done, honestly. Yeah. yeah. It, it does that. It It keeps... You know, in a lot of ways, the look of it, um, obviously visuals, mm-hmm. production, the score. The cinematographer from Roger Deakins. Yes. Roger or Deakins. Deakins. I, I know <laughs> I know it's Deakins. I call him Deakins. Yeah, he, he does an amazing, like, phenomenal job with this film. And yeah, I saw it in theaters too. But uh, it also still keeps, you know, the same thought-provoking um, conversation starters as well as, like, you know, meaning of life and all that sort of, you know, really light conversation. <laughs> Yeah. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, and it, but it still makes it new and fresh. So did I also mention that they did freaking miniatures movie miniatures people? We don't see that in most uh, big budget movies. Like if you need special effects, go to CGI. But miniatures, that, miniatures that just, are cool. That just me. <laughs> and mm-hmm. also the way that director did the villainous gets performance out of his cast. I mean, hell, we saw this with the opening scene with Batista, but Dave Batista just, just. Oh my god, the cast is amazing in this movie. Yeah, Gosling is perfect. I like to call Gosling. Sorry. He's really good. Yeah. I like to call Gosling Blue Eyes McGee. <laughs> his, his, blue, his blue eyes are just very apparent. Yeah, they really do peer into your soul. They do. And then Anna Damas, who. I'm looking at you, Jamie. She's in another movie called Knives Out. Which, okay. which I know we're gonna watch. I know. We, I want to watch. We 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 might have to. 
do uh, for special episode four. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, yeah, no. Um, Anima, Soviet host, um, Jared, urban legend. I'm using urban legend. I'm using urban legend because Leto. Yeah, that's right, Jared. We're, call- we're calling you out for that. We're calling he you out for that. He tries to pretend urban. that he didn't do urban. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, in which, in which it's like, you did urban, man. You did urban legend. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, it happened. It exists. I, I still mean, have the VHS somewhere. It, I mean, it's better than calling him out for some of his other roles, including Joker. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Blade Runner. Um. Blade Runner. But Blade Runner. Um, also, fun fact, um, that role was originally intended for David Bowie before he passed. Oh. So, yeah. Um, and also, as we mentioned, Dave Bautista, a.k.a. Jack Destroyer. Robin Wright, a.k.a. Buttercup from Princess Bride, and my girl, Mackenzie Davis, who I love in everything she does. Um, just, oh my gosh, she, uh, this cast just brought their A-game. Also, another side note, until this viewing, I didn't know that David um, Maslachin, I'm so sorry, I'm pitching this name, a.k.a. Um, Abracadabra from CW's Flash, uh, Kurt from the Ant-Man movies, among others, was in this film. Yeah, I was reading your notes. I'm like, who did he play? I was like trying to rack my brain because I didn't like. He didn't stand out to me like automatically. He he um he played Coco, who gets like killed off like um by Sylvia Hoax's character when she's uh, collecting the evidence. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But yeah, no. I and also speaking of back to the East real quick. Before this movie, the man was already four for four. Like, he had 2013's Prisoners, 2014's Enemy, 2015's Sicario, 2016's Arrival, and now 2017's Blade Runner 2049. He'll be 5 for 5, and probably be 6 for 6 when freaking Dune comes out. Yeah. Don't jinx it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to... Also, most sequels, or at least most sequels that are set within a set of time, I would say like 20, 30 years, um, do a thing where they kind of... They they continue it, but they don't like expand upon it. And one of the things I actually really like about this movie is that I really like the world building, how that's connected to the main story. And that's something I have to give both Hampton Fletcher and Michael Green, who signed up had a really banner year in 2017 with Logan and the first and only really good season of American Gods, because it could have been so easy to hand wave the world building and just repeat the same story again. But they decided not to, and I have to give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah. yeah. Also. Yeah. Also, this probably has one of my favorite Hans Zimmer collaborations, and he teamed up with uh, it composers Wally Fisher. Also, side note: Can I please have Kate's jacket? Just please. Especially with like the zipped cool. up, especially with like the zipped up part of it and stuff. I I I like that. I I like that. And yeah, yeah. And also, just just the relationship between Kay and Joy is very reminiscent of another film, which we might cover, um, her, that being uh, 2014's Her, with the effects also for this looking amazing, and it also just leads into, like, pro- one one of the promising of, like, one of the most heartbreaking scenes of the movie in which um, Sylvia Hooks' character love breaks Kay's communicator and just, you're like, no! Yeah, yeah. I love, their love story is one of my favorite elements of it. Something that I feel like the original with um, Harrison Ford and Sean Young wasn't as as good. I mean, I mm-hmm. love them together and I love their relationship and everything, but I feel like it could have been developed more. And I feel like this yeah. one is kind of the the one that we wanted mm-hmm. in a way. It's really yeah, sweet. I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. So you get Harrison. We don't see Deckard until about an hour and forty minutes into this movie, and yet we're still engaged. Now I'm going to be honest with you. 
How much do you want to bet that that scares studio executives? I mean, there's quite a bit of talent here. They're, without like, they that. have Ryan Gosling yeah. at, at the forefront, and he's pretty much established by this point. Yeah, so Blue like, Eyes McGee was was quite uh, known at this point. I think he could hold yeah. a movie even without hair. So. Yeah, I I just I'm just trying to just imagine like, wait, our main character isn't in the movie for like, like um, an hour forty? Jesus Christ! Yeah, and Harrison I likes mean, to come back in films, as you've seen in many different sequels and different franchises. But this is like, I don't know, probably my favorite of his yeah. returns. I mean, also, it did just seem like that they just brought him on like on a weekend or something, because he just like so casually dressed compared to everyone else. Like I'm like he just has like a gray shirt on and then like a jacket and this is like in comparison to what like his plaid thing in like the first movie. He's yeah. retired, you know. I mean, he's taking it easy. <laughs> I mean, it's that's his where he's at right now too. Is he's he's been away for thirty years now, mm-hmm. so it's not like he's just chilling wh- right. wherever he was at. So. I mean, I actually didn't. Ex- I was actually like, I didn't expect Harrison to to appear until later in the movie, so near the end of the movie. Um, I don't know why. I just got that vibe from the beginning. It's just that we were gonna follow um Kay's journey up until, and then they would somehow, uh, co- like they would somehow come together, and then we would go from that. So that's why I, I don't consider Decker like the main one of the second movie of the uh-huh. sequel. Yeah. Um, but he's still a very important part of it, though. Yeah, and he's definitely got something. But I just, I just found that interesting because I was just looking at his costume, like, you know, you are very underdressed, and I actually kind of appreciate that. But who's to say what the style is and where he was? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and speaking of which, Seeker Harrison, his scene with the fake Rachel, that was fucking perfect. Mm-hmm. Just the whole yeah. cold bloodiness of the kill was like Jesus fuck. Mm-hmm. It's just vicious. The film also does something, and I noticed this um, in the third act, where it's revealed that Kay is not the chosen one, and I noticed something very similar in The Last Jedi, and I know I just brought up a bunch of fanboys, so, oh lord, what have I done? But rather, um, it's just the normal individual, and rather than being tasked with doing the one thing he does his whole life, hunting or killing others, he does the opposite and brings the father uh, with his daughter. It also leads kind of into my favorite track of the score, Seawall. And mm-hmm. also, when I was in the movie, when I was in the theater, and this may have propelled my love for uh, for flying cars, which, again, why do we not have? Um, mm-hmm. There was a whole sequence at the end where um, Kay tries to res- Kay, uh, res- rescues Deckard, and just being in that IMAX theater was just like, on the edge of my seat, just being like, okay, I'm flying now, and just with that Hans Zimmer score, it's just, yeah. This also kind of parallels Roy's baddie sacrifice of the first film. In, in a very interesting way, but, yeah. Yeah. No, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, moving on to the production history slash origins, the development of the sequel to Blade Runner began in 1989, however, the project was shelved due to concerning rights uh, to Phil Casey's 19... 19- 68 novel, doing Enter Stream and Electric Sleep, with similar other with similar issues besetting other proposed sequels, series, and shorts. Fast forward 2011, and Alcott Entertainment, best known for films such as My Dog Skip. Y'all remember that one? Yeah, I do. It traumatized me. 
like most animals do. The Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants films. And that Sandra Bullock film, The Blind Spot, co-founders Andrew Koskov and Roderick Johnson purchased the rights from producer Bud Yokin. This led to Koskov and Johnson to get Scott to direct, Fancher to write the script alongside Mike Green. What this one was like a hero was like a writer on Heroes in Smallville. Oh really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And and, and now I have the Smallville theme song stuck in my head. Somebody, I know I do. Somebody say <laughs> Did this I feel like this came up the last time I was on the show. I swear I just got like the weirdest deja vu ever. But <laughs> we talked about it's a bad um a bad yeah. A Superman show coming up and I mentioned Smallville and then you sang this song. <laughs> Yeah, I I mean at the time of recording this, um, I think it might have been Superman and Lois, but yeah, yeah that's just oh, funny. However, <laughs> Scott would later back out of directing to, to to do Alien and Covenant, but stay on to produce, which might be the one good thing that maybe came out of that movie. But that's just me. And as a replacement, Denise Villeneuve was chosen director, having worked with Al Khan on 2013's Prisoners, with uh, Benil being a fan of Fincher's Green Script. As for casting, uh, Foreign Gosling were the first choice with everyone else coming on board. So sadly, this film did not do well, and Ridley, and, and the movie had a lot of positive reception. Mm-hmm. Um, and guess who blames the runtime? Ridley. Mm-hmm. He said, okay, saying that he will at least cut like an hour out of this movie, which here's my, here's my thoughts on it. With this type of movie, this is not a Star Wars. This is not a Rocky. This is not a movie that lends itself or at least the way that this movie is constructed, does not lend itself to, you know, franchise, to it being a franchise. Maybe you could do one, maybe you can't. But you're doing, like, multiple iterations of it and stuff. So my thing is, I think, and I think this might have been the mindset of Villeneuve and company, is to go big or go home. Hence why this movie's, like, two and a half hours long. Yeah. Which, I I, I get why people might have issues with it, but at the same time, though, it's go big or go home. Yeah, I don't mind the length. So, but I understand. I, I also the feel like better. the what? The pacing was better. Yeah, the it is. One. Yeah. Yeah. So it didn't bother me as much. The the runtime. And you're following more interesting characters because again, I and I mentioned this. I mentioned this before. I actually like Kate more as a protagonist than Deckard. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake. I also feel like he has a more compelling story, whereas Deckard's like. I have to hunt down this thing. I'm internal. Mm-hmm. I'm internally thinking, am I right for this thing? Again, I'm not trying to dis Harrison Ford's performance in the movie or Deckard as a character. I just, I don't know. Kay's kind of, kind of works for me in a way. And I think his love story also with Joy also kind of works for me. And it actually leads into one of the themes of the movie, which is what does it mean to have a soul? Um, or who gets to have a soul? And do memories define who we are? I feel like those are some of the things between the first two movies. Am I wrong on that or not? No, I think there's a lot of a lot no, of. Go ahead, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, I. I mean, are we talking? Are we answering these questions? No, I'm just kidding. Um, because <laughs> need more time. No, um, I think that those are some of the the questions that could arise from that. I think in a lot of ways, it's you know kind of about you know the meaning of life, um, the purpose of life. Uh, obviously in this movie both of these movies with replicants you know do they you know deserve to I mean there's just a lot of really like deep existential philosophical (laughs) questions Mm -hmm. looming 
here. So it's just yeah, and I definitely agree with you with the deep. And and these were just the two I just observed on reading. There's a whole Wikipedia page that's dedicated like themes of Blade Runner, and I'm like, oh Jesus Christ! That goes like Denishin and to uh, Denishin and also that, and just yeah, and it and just the whole media life thing, and just yeah, yeah. When when you get into the next, again, this is this is what hard sci-fi does. It makes you think about stuff, and it puts how you fleeting in a... we are, and <laughs> how how quickly we'll we disappear because we're just little pieces of sand in history. You know, really fun, happy, joy. Or, like as Roy Batty says, like tears and rain. Yes, like tears yeah. and rain. Such and, a sad scene. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And, yeah, no, and unfortunately, um, Rudiger is no longer with us having passed right. last year, so, and this is, I think, one of my favorite roles from him. And he's done a lot, but yeah. Well, anyways, and I think that does it for our special episode. First off, I just want to say thank you for Christy for coming by and yeah, talking about Blade Runner with thanks us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for coming. Uh, Jamie, would you mind closing us out? All right, yeah. So please feel free to follow us on all our social media pages. We're on Twitter at Convo with Two Geeks. That is the number two. We're on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation with Two Geeks. That is spelled all the way out. Also, if you feel like emailing us about anything from this episode or previous episodes, we're at conversationwith2geeks at gmail.com. We have a link to all these in the show notes. Well, anyways, take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.